Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When we know that God has ultimate authority, my role is to do one thing. Just submit to him and his written word. As you go through the Bible, we just need to realize, okay, God, that's your word. You're in control. I submit to you. In our secular world, most people believe they have the authority to rule their own lives. But remember, that is wrong because all authority that's going to be correct in our lives comes from God. Indeed, most people do think that they run their lives. They have believed the lie of the devil who wants to see them destroyed, separated from God. Even after becoming a follower of Christ, we can struggle with trying to take control of our lives back from God. And he will let us have it back if we don't have the wisdom to put on the brakes and give him control again. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the Pharisees' challenge to Jesus of the source of his authority and the quandary Jesus put them in. He will also remind them of the ultimate source of all earthly authority. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke chapter 20 with part two of his message, The Authority and Patience of God. Watch what they say. If we say from heaven, then Jesus will ask, why didn't you believe him? What do they mean by that? If they admit John the Baptist came from God, they're trapped. Because what did John the Baptist minister do? He pointed people to who? Jesus, the Messiah. Remember one day, Jesus was walking and John the Baptist says, whoa, there he goes. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. So it wasn't just about the general people coming on and being baptized for their sins. It was about he was the forerunner. He was the one announcing Jesus, the Messiah. So if they say John's authority was divine, they knew Jesus would then say, well, why didn't you believe him? And that means you should believe me. You're trying to kill me. But John told you his authority came from God and I am the Messiah. So they're stuck. Look at verse six. But if we say of human origin, John the Baptist was just doing his own thing. The people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a true prophet under authority from God. So they're going to go like this. Okay. If we say John the Baptist just was doing his own thing, we are going to be stoned by the average people because they believed in John. Remember, masses went out. The people went up and they repented of their sins. Here they are. They're in a corner. 
If they answer this way, they're done. If they answer this way, they're done. So what will they do? Look at the next verse. This is why you have to laugh and then be sad. So they answered, we don't know where I was from. Just say these three letters with me right now. L-I-E. What did you just say? What did they just do? Think about this. These are the religious leaders of the Jewish people. Aren't you glad you don't have a... Now, no pastor here is anywhere near perfect. We're just like you. But aren't you glad I'm not lying to you this morning? Oh, some of you would like me to lie to you? Most of you didn't even put your hands up. You can go to lots of churches where they just lie to you in the morning to night. Have a nice life, but you're not going to end up where you want to end up. Let's try it again. How many glad that from this pulpit, whoever here is not lying to you this morning? We're giving you what? The word of God. That's what Jesus is doing. So he says, well, how are you going to answer? They're going like, well, we don't know. Did they know? Oh, they knew perfectly. They absolutely knew. And they simply lie. How was Jesus going to respond to that one? Does he say, you liars, you. Look at verse eight. And Jesus said, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. And they went like this. Watch me. (sighs) He got us. I was waiting for your authority comes from God, but he won't respond to us. Now, when you see that, it should say something to us. The Jewish leader's authority came from themselves down through the years. John the Baptist and Jesus' authority came from God. That world at that time was in a chaos because of the religious system and the Romans. Sometimes when we look at our world and we look at the news that comes out, I know you've done this because I've done this. And we look at all the chaos, we sometimes say to ourselves, is anybody in charge of this world? Oh my goodness, what in the world is happening? None of us are surprised when we get up in the morning. Nothing shocks us anymore. It just doesn't shock us. It never used to be like that. And there's people in London, and think, good luck getting up in the morning. It's all over our world. When we start thinking, is there anybody, God, and what are you doing up there? Is anybody in charge, anybody in control of this chaotic world? Well, those questions bring fear and discouragement. I want to give you this morning hope. Now, some of you are here, and you're in circumstances, and it's kind of chaotic in your life. I want to give you hope. I'm going to show you in a moment, then give you three keys. I'm going to show you in a moment, God is always in control. And he does everything perfectly. Not like we like, not our timing, but it always ends up perfect. Let me show you this verse. First Chronicles, Old Testament. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on the earth. Where do you live? On the earth is yours. Oh, Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over a few things. That includes your chaos this morning, your fear, your anxiety. He is the one who's over all things. Let's continue. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. 
Power and might are in your hand. And at your discretion, people are made great and they're given strength. I want to give you strength this morning. Write these three keys down. Now you're going to see something. Very often when I teach, before I teach, this is the way I outline a teaching. What does God want you to know as the people that I'm teaching to? What does God want you to do? How does God want you to feel? I teach that to myself. That kind of outlines in the passage where I'm going. I have to listen to God. I give that to the other pastors to do the same thing. If I can do that, I can stay kind of on target for what God wants to speak to us. So here's what you need to know this morning because God wants you to know it. Number one, God has ultimate authority and power. Never doubt that no matter what's happening in your life as a Christ follower, unless you're an act of sin, then of course you need to repent because that is not from God. That's from your sin nature. But if not, he's in control. He learns to take everything and work it together for good. It's not all good, but he learns to do that. Number two, when we know that God has ultimate authority, my role is to do one thing. Just submit to him and his written word. As you go through the Bible, we just need to realize, okay, God, that's your word. You're in control. I submit to you. In our secular world, most people believe they have the authority to rule their own lives. But remember, that is wrong because all authority that's going to be correct in our lives comes from God. The only way to live is to submit to God's authority and obey his commands. If I do that, this is what happens with number three. How should I feel? Well, I should feel safe and I should feel confident knowing God is in total control. So wherever you're at this morning, you say, well, Pastor Mark, I don't have any trouble. I don't worry about any of that kind of stuff. You probably will. It's coming. And it's going to be personal in your life. It's not in London. It's going to be in your life. God, are you really in control up there? Yes, he is. Just simply know he has ultimate authority and power. Submit to him. God, help me. You're a very present help in time of trouble. Don't be panicky. Don't be panicky. The word of God is the best antidepressant in the world. Now, if you're taking one, don't write me. It's fine. It's fine. But that is the ultimate. Can I hear an amen? All right. Now, what's going to happen with all of that? Look at verse 9. And he went on to tell the people this parable. So Jesus is speaking. He's going to talk to them more. A man planted a vineyard. He rented it to some farmers. And he went away for a long time. So Jesus is going to teach this to the Jewish leaders and the people. Really, this parable that Jesus is going to give is indirectly the religious leader's question about his authority. It's the same kind of thing. It's going to show as the Jewish leaders listen, they're going to see that Jesus knows all about their plans. God had already given Jesus everything they were going to do. And it's going to reveal that in the end, they're going to be judged because they're going to not only kill the Messiah, but they reject him as their Messiah. Let me identify the players in the parable. Just watch me for a second. It won't take long. It'll make a lot of sense to you as you go through. God is the owner of the vineyard. The vineyard is not Napa Valley. The vineyard in this passage is the nation of Israel. I'll explain that more in a moment. The tenants, the workers in the vineyard are the Jewish religious leaders. They're working it. The servants that come from God are the Old Testament prophets. And I'll explain that when we get there. That preached repentance to Israel. 
The son, when we get there, is not other than God's son, Jesus. Very interesting to see. Let's talk about the first one. The vineyard is the nation of Israel. That was known when Jesus started this parable. The Jewish people already know. Yep, we know what it is. You're talking about our nation. For us, it doesn't make any sense. Look at Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard, the nation of Israel the Jewish people. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. Now watch what God did for that land, for the children of Israel. Watch what he did. He dug it up. He cleared it of stones. He planted it with choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it. He cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. We'll see that as we go through. This is the nation of Israel. He was clearly speaking to his disciples what was going to happen. Remember, as you watch this, look all that God did for the nation of Israel. And this is kind of in a vineyard way, protecting wall, a watchtower against thieves, a wine press to make sure that the grapes are right there. They don't have to go somewhere else. He gave the workers everything they needed to produce fruit. And that simply reminds us of the next thing I want you to write down. We see God's generosity. How many of you could say to me this morning that you know from your life that God is always generous with us? He's always, he isn't withholding things from us. He loves to give good gifts to his kids. And he's always providing that with us. Now, look at verse 10. At harvest time, so it's the time for the grapes to be ready. He sent a servant. Who are the servants? Remind yourself. Who are the servants? They're prophets from the Old Testament. Isaiah, Zechariah, all of the prophets from the Old Testament. Why did they come? Basically try to correct Israel. You'll see what that is like in a moment. So notice this verse again. So at harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants. The tenants were the Jewish religious leaders. So that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. Now, does that make sense? The owner of the vineyard wants some grapes to pay for the rent. They are the rent of his land. Does that make sense? Of course it makes sense. If you're the owner of the vineyard, would you like some return on your investment? Well, of course. Note, write this down this morning. God expected fruit. Good return. That's common sense. Now, it's fair. As any owner of a vineyard, and these people are using your land and your vineyard, of course, he wanted grapes that were there. That's a great application for you and me. Maybe that's why some of you didn't want to say that. But what do you have? You can look at it kind of this way. You're a vineyard this morning. John 15 teaches us that. I'm a vineyard. And what's he expect from me? Fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. See, when he saves us, he expects us to be what? Investing our time and our money and our talents to bring other people to Christ. When you see that, Look at verse 10 again. At harvest time, he sent a servant, Old Testament prophet, to the tenants, to the Jewish leaders who were operating Israel, that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants, the Jewish leaders, beat him and sent him away empty-handed. True story. This is not an illusion. They beat the Old Testament prophets. I'll show you that in a moment. Verse 11. He sent another servant. He sent another prophet. But that one 
Also, they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. And he sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Why was God sending prophets to Israel? Here's why. When Israel was planted by God, they were planted as to be a godly nation. Watch me. I'm Israel. Abraham comes to God and starts the nation with Abraham, the head of the Jews, and the nation, the people. And let's just say up here is the nation of Israel behind me. They were coming to a world. You're the world. Now, what was the world like in the time of the prophets? Every one of you worshiped idols, dead gods, sky, moon, sacrificed your children alive to Molech, killed people as an offering to their gods. What was the role of Abraham and the children of Israel? To be light and salt to you and say to you, we are so blessed in the land of Israel because we have the one true God who's in authority. And he made you to worship him. But what we discover, and you'll see more at the end, let's just pick you today out there in all the audiences. You as a nation failed God. In fact, so much so that you began worshiping idols. So there was nobody to witness. So the prophets were sent, and now I'm a prophet to you. And the prophets would say, repent. You've fallen away from God. There's no fruit. It's spoiled. It's rotten. God loves you. Repent. Come back to the one who made you a nation. And they would come back. And then a few weeks later, they'd go back their old way again. And that was the picture of Israel all through the Old Testament. Now, when you see that, think about this. They rebelled. They became fruitless. Watch how they treated the godly prophets that came. I'm glad I wasn't a prophet in the Old Testament. Isaiah, one of the prophets in the Old Testament, was sawed in half because he came with a message from God. Many of them were killed. Look at this verse. This is amazing. This is 2 Chronicles, just a snapshot. Then the leaders, Jewish leaders, plotted to kill Zechariah, one of the prophets, who came, and King Joash ordered that they stone him to death. Now look where they stone him. In the courtyard of the Lord's temple. In the temple where we're supposed to be worshiping God like in here, they stoned the prophet right there. Talk about in God's face. That's how bad it was. And you'll see what's going to happen. Now remember who's listening to this. The Jewish leaders. Are they doing any better No, what's their goal? Kill another prophet, you'll see in a moment, that come from God. Same exact thing. Same exact thing. And so as you walk through this, watch what happens as you go through. What do we see from that picture? One prophet, another prophet, another prophet, another prophet, more than just these three. I want you to write this down. God showed his patience and tolerance to sinful people. Now, we can sit out there and go, man, Pastor Mark, those people are terrible. What's wrong with them people? Those people are supposed to be believers and they're sinning. I I don't have that problem. I'm looking. 
Any of you sinned this week and had to ask God to forgive you? Can I see your hand? Okay, the rest of you? We're going to have an incredible altar call today. This place is going to be filled. I don't know. We probably have to put them outside. Every one of us sinned numerous times this week. Not me, Pastor Mark. No, not sin of commission. You forgot to love your neighbor as you loved yourself. Whoops. Aren't you glad he's patient? Could I hear an amen? At least that part. Thank you. Thank you. Because he is. If we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful. Faithful to forgive us and give us a brand new start. Now, when you see that happening, look at this. How do I know he is? Look at 2 Chronicles 36. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, repeatedly sent his prophets. Remember why they were sent? To warn them. For he had compassion on his people in his temple. But the people mocked these messengers of God and they despised their words. I'm so glad we have the freedom still to teach the word of God to you without fear, just to teach it in love and clarity without fear. But in those days, they despised the words that the prophet spoke because they wanted to be their own authority. Now, verse 13. Now, the owner of the vineyard, who's the owner of the vineyard? Come on, God. So God says, what shall I do? Well, I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. So Jesus was sent to this earth. Why? Because God loves lost people. All lost people. Verse 14. Now, when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. Hey, this is looking good. This is the heir of the owner. Let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. Now think about this. This is sinful, foolish, selfish, stupid thinking. You say, how can that be stupid? Listen to this. Who would come up with a plan to kill the owner's son and ask for the business themselves when the owner is still alive? He has the ownership. What are you kidding me? How stupid they are. But notice their plan. Look at this. Verse 15. So they threw him out of the vineyard. Who did they throw out? Jesus. And say it with me. Killed him. As I read that verse this week, it just like popped out of the pages into my mind. Let me ask you. Who is telling this parable? Oh, himself. What did you just read? He's telling us about his own death. Days from the statement. Today, we were reminded that unless we're living under the authority of God, that we're under the authority of Satan. Whether we believe that or not, Pastor Mark told us that we can have hope despite what craziness swirls around us because God has the ultimate authority and power. He says what can happen to us and what can't. He can make all things right. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. The next message will have Pastor Mark wrap up this teaching about God's authority and patience. The message will include a parable that Jesus told about himself and the country of Israel and its leaders. We'll be reminded of God's amazing long-suffering and His forgiveness and our need to take advantage of His salvation before it's too late. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.